Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal, where normal is changing up all the time. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and during this time of coronavirus uncertainty, sheltering at home, physical distancing, and now deep social unrest, I am bringing you a special series of helpful insights and practices from experienced body-focused practitioners in order to keep you healthy, protected, and calm beyond face masks and hand sanitizer in what is now a time of great transition. Today, my guest is Somanot Megan Bathory-Peeler, a true somatic explorer. Megan is a movement artist and choreographer and a bodywork therapist who includes somatic experiencing, matrix repatterning, and cranial sacral therapy in her work with others. She is also a continuum somatic educator. And we're going to be talking about moving from the inside to the outside. What nourishes us in this transition? Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much, Sharon. It's such a privilege to be able to pause and have this time with you and with the listeners. Yeah, I'm ready to dig into a very juicy conversation. Um, You bring so many different modalities and ways of working with integrating movement and consciousness and connection through the body, with the body, um, and how they uh, come through the individual and relate to the whole. So I, am, I, uh, I feel like you draw from such a deep well of, of tools and experience. Yes, I'm so, <laughs> I've always been a very integrative, interdisciplinary liver and thinker and beer and uh it is so wonderful when i get to pause and realize that the way that i am professionally in the world is truly in alignment with how i've grown up and the path of really self-inquiry has led me through all the channels of education and being able to weave everything together so that I'm able to respond to situations, to individuals with maximum number of tools to support and help educate them in better deepening of their relationship to themselves and their own self-care. Right, and now we need all the tools we can get as we are in such a place of uncertainty. I mean, we're always in a place of uncertainty, but we are in big swaths of uncertainty with the virus and now with all of the um, protests and social unrest that's going on. So how are you yeah, How are you working with that with yourself? How are you working with uncertainty within yourself? Well, I'm a creature of movement. And so being able to stay in connection with the movement that's happening, but sometimes it's not the surface level movement. It's like being at the ocean and the waves that we see, the waves that are impacting us in the moment might actually be quite choppy. But if you just drop your head under them, it changes. And if you drop in a little bit deeper, it changes still. And you're then 
able to be aware of all these levels of movement, but also that there is a place of relative stilling and quiet that you can resource and connect into while having to navigate what's happening around you on the surface. So I have really been resourced profoundly by nature, and I feel incredibly privileged to live in the country and in nature, where even in the time of distancing, I am able to be outside and be in the woods, um, be near water, and the gifts of really deep resource and intelligence that trees in particular have been giving me uh, during this time has just been immeasurable. So even if I'm not at a certain place, like I don't live like you do near the ocean, but I can still call on my experiences of that and use that intelligence and use the, the deep resourcing of that to help me access what's nurturing to me mm-hmm. on the inside and really receive that, to bring that in. So then I can more accurately perceive what's happening on the outside. Hmm. So, you know, as you're talking about, you know, this dropping down beneath the surface waves and, you know, dropping down, dropping down, you know, as we've been forced to shelter at home, there has been that opportunity for people to have a, a quieter time, a stiller time, and yet it took a lot for most people for everybody, I would say, certainly me, you know, uh, to slow way down, right? Absolutely. And especially because for many, their work disappeared, their normal routines disappeared. I know that for you, your, certainly your hands-on body work disappeared. So can you talk a little bit about that process of slowing down? Yeah, it was amazing to me to meet this place of being basically forced to stop. And yet at the same time, the whole first phase was just trying to digest massive amounts of information every day and actually being brought up into the head, into the eyes, and having to navigate so much in a, in a very narrow range through the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and auditorily, I really resourced through radio and um, conversation and people's voices. So, But that's very different than how I normally spend my days and I also have a family so we had to reorganize and suddenly I had a 
partner who had to figure out teaching online and two kids who had to figure out how to attend school online. And all of us are very much uh, creatures of the body and real kinesthetic learners and engagers. And so the feeling of suddenly being limited, um, we just kind of had to go with that and it wasn't it wasn't easy but it took a tremendous amount of energy and I was amazed to see how quickly some people were able to drop into creativity and resourcing themselves through cooking and just the amazing sort of initial flurry of activity and Mm -hmm. people reaching out to each other all around the world all of that was very inspiring but it was I I didn't have that impulse in me, and I just had to let that be. I couldn't judge that. I uh, just needed to observe it, and then I had to be brought in further inside by actually having to do the dance with COVID. Yeah, you got got the virus um, in, uh, what, late March? late March, early April, mm-hmm. it really took most of April to come out of, out of that. So that was just an invitation to go in or drop down, like I said, underneath into the deeper waters and really surrender to, okay, what, what does this experience have to teach me? And it was something that was completely new. And so because it was so new and I'm so well trained in following what is new and interesting and I was really able to stay curious most of the time um, and that was a that was a, a gift and that's where my practices and everything that has gone into bringing me to this moment was preparing me to meet the unexpected. I couldn't have prepared to meet something that I couldn't identify. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was done with it that I really said, that was a very interesting experience and started to talk to other people who were having that interesting experience and then talk to doctors who were seeing this interesting experience being reported to them and then being able to say, oh, this is the virus. That's what that was. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have that, even that orientation when I was meeting it. So there was a gift in that because I wasn't bound by fear. Mm-hmm. And because the whole world was was isolating or drawing in, I had no sense of there was something being missed or people that I... That's right. No, normally, I would be trying to take care of myself and attend to all these people that I feel responsible for. Yes. But I just could let go. And... I would have points of the day that I felt pretty good and then the whole bottom would fall out and I would feel terrible and all I could do was lie down and I could. Um, Right. You could without feeling like you were, you know, missing something or that 
you know, everybody else was uh, deep inside as well in, in one way or another. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people that I'm talking to have expressed that, you know, once there was that initial, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to work this out? That they found that there was a quiet and a peacefulness that they really started to relish, especially if they could relate to the um, to the natural world uh, and be able to just like you say, keep dropping down, dropping down to these deeper levels of, of being and quiet and, um, as you say, nourishment. Yeah, and for me, the one of the other real gifts of this time and the gifts of the virus itself is what when you do let yourself detach from all that identifies and all that forms us, then you really go through this very interesting portal and there's the opportunity to dissolve. And in that dissolving place, we really get to meet some difficult emotions. And I'm seeing that and writing that process in myself. Um, but I'm also seeing that as a part of what the collective is doing. And this moment in time that you and I are speaking in, not only has all of, all of the energies stirred up from the pandemic and all of the questioning and the unknowns, but now another layer of uh, real national focus on just these atrocious police brutalities um, of white officers on another black man and uh, really needing to keep my seat right now and so one of the things that I coach almost every person that I work with individually and certainly in my classes, just a very simple way to do that is I ask myself three questions. I start with, where are my feet? And I sense into that question. Mm-hmm. And then I ask myself, where's my seat and you can do this seated or you can do it standing and then if the breath hasn't automatically blossomed by the time you've checked in with your feet and your seat then you can say what's my breath doing And by the time I've asked myself those three questions, I have a much better sense of where I'm located in time and space. And is this just an assessment or is this meant to shift your internal scene? Both. Mm -hmm. I love tools that work multifunctionally. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I like tools that are simple, but also incredibly complex in how they interface within our nervous systems and can affect us on all levels, but, but quickly, kind of sneaking in under the radar mm-hmm. um, and really tapping into channels of information streaming inside that are really ancient and where we function on the autonomic. So we can, when we can shift those autonomic or automatic places of functioning, then that has an, a ripple effect up to the, up to the surface. And finding all the resources that each of us have, whether it's looking at something that's pleasing or feeling the sun on our face or the wind in our hair or on our skin, um, tasting something, smelling something, all of these are all of our senses are so hardwired and they can both help alert us to things that we need to be aware of for our protection but they can also settle us in the most profound ways mm, yeah and yeah. this time i think what I keep hearing from people is just this amazing reminder of how it's really the simplest things that are the most settling and most comforting for people. And it, the conversation about letting go uh, and allowing is so much easier right now. I'm just amazed by that. Well, yeah, I think because, that I think that people have had a chance. I certainly have had a chance to look around me and go, you know, I have everything I need, or I have most of what I need, or I can make do, or I can rediscover something, you know, right outside my window. Yeah, and I'm very aware that we have the privilege to do that. Yes, and that there. So many beings on this planet right now that don't have the ability to do that and just also how important it is to make room in this messy middle place that we're in for grief for fear for despair because those are guests that are going to keep knocking whether we want them to or not. But if we allow them in and in some way invite them for tea, what can they, what can they teach us or what can they show us about ourselves, about our ways of relating, the choices we make, our perceptions, and also, what, what is happening? What's unfolding 
in the world right now on a grander scale, grander order of things. Yes, yes. So in the introduction to our conversation here, I said that we were going to be talking about moving from the inside to the outside. So we've just been talking about just that process of dropping back down and slowing down and going more and more inside. And now we're at a place where, you know, the uh, many of the restrictions are lifting and, um, uh, you know, the weather is changing and uh, or people are being compelled outdoors to join in protests and um, and demonstrations. But we are we are now making a transition from the inside to the outside. And I know that you have a lot to say about that about about what it is, how it is we move into that place, how it is we can carry with us the nourishment and the lessons that we've been that we've been cultivating while inside as we go back out. Yeah. This is this is something that I am fascinated by in general and so much of the pacing of our modern life is constantly pulling us out and depriving us or depleting us of that inside time. So initially with the pandemic, people were really resourcing beautifully. They, everybody knew exactly what they needed to do or could do because they were craving it. They were, um, to have the time and the space where that outside pressure was relieved and they could just come in. And now we're in this interesting transition place where, like you said, we are being compelled to come back out. And some of that, there's a sense of, okay, this is enough in, inside time. And it is time to come out. Um, and some of it is larger cultural forces or economic forces that mean we really do need to figure out how to engage um, for survival reasons. But I'm seeing this kind of trepidation that people are having about leaving what they were discovering in that nurturing inside space. And so to help with that, I've really been finding that uh, encouraging people to think about creating a permeable membrane, a force field around themselves. And this is something that you do by engaging your imaginal skills. And it can be as big as the sort of the body sphere, kinosphere around you, or it can extend out to include your home and anything that you feel is home. Include that in this space, this bubble of space, and that space goes above as well as below, 
you so that you are invoking and allowing yourself to keep that sense of spaciousness, which is really what I think people are reclaiming mm-hmm. for themselves. And I want to be a fierce protector of that, that just because there's another life transition that happens, we don't have to lose that connection to self. And that is our, it is our birthright to have that sense of spaciousness. And that the boundary of that can be permeable so that when you need to have the noise or the excitement of the outside world, you need to have that back off. You can make sure that that's on the outside of that perimeter and let in the pieces that are interesting or nurturing or allow feed you in some way. And that you can also keep clearing that space as a daily practice, just clearing that out of anything that you don't need to be carrying that isn't yours to be responsible for or just plain isn't yours. You've absorbed something from someone else or something else and it's too much to carry it. It's too heavy. The heaviness in the chest, that feeling of upset in the tummy, um, often that's a sign that we have absorbed things that even all wonderful things in too much quantity can be basically become toxic. So we need to just keep clearing out and working with the breath, working with sound. These are just wonderful ways to clear that space. And it's so important that as we look at these messages, because we're given mixed messages where we're asked to go inside, that's where, and stay at home and help protect other people by staying away from them. But then at the same time, if we are going to meet up with people, it's better outside. So outside is safer. So we're getting all these messages. And how do we sort them, sort them out? And so many of us as young children, babies, even prenates, have a fundamental confusion around what's safe, what's not safe, and get that caught up in, am I safe? Am I not safe? And I'm finding that this pandemic is is really bringing up a lot of those old beliefs. And it's an opportunity to really support each other in looking at that and being able to hear each other say, express those beliefs, and then provide some accurate reflection around that so that we can get to the place where 
I am not the danger. I am not hurting you. And you are not hurting me. And that we both can feel safe in our bodies and that our bodies know how to keep us safe, especially in relationship, in close relationship with one another. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's a very important thing because we have been, many people have taken on the, the message that, you know, I could infect you and I could kill you. You know, if you're vulnerable, I could be a carrier and I could kill you or you could kill me. And we go around just even walking around the neighborhood. Are you going to kill me or am I going to kill you? Um, or what? We don't even know. And then there's, you know, now there's, like you say, there's so much confusion about what is safe and, and, um, you know, and the whole, oh, you know, just these, these, um, peaceful protests are going on right now that are being subverted by other people who are, uh, infiltrating and causing, causing, uh, trouble, inciting violence and looting. And, and it's like, how can you, how can you trust the crowd? How do you feel safe in a group? How do you feel safe with someone who is other than you, which is, which is, you know, uh, which is at the core of, um, of the issues and the anger and the frustration that's being, uh, and the heartbreak that's being expressed right now in terms of, of, uh, of race, you know, how do we find safety? How do we experience safety? Um, other than at the, well, even at the very, at the very essential level of inside, but especially as we start going out. Yes. Well, and it's just the incredible timing of this moment that we're speaking in where we're beginning to be slowly invited out and then being either pulled out faster than we want because we do so want to express this anguish and, and say we have these most powerful no's against everything that's going on. But we, so many of us already had a no coming up around the sheltering in place and being isolated and it's, so many feelings already up and then okay it might be safe and then you know you shared with me that you've got the national guard a few blocks down your street and again right this was this was the week you grapple with that this is the weekend where restaurants are opening up for you know outside dining and and i think all stores are opening up and um you know, this was a week, a weekend of opening up. And because of the responses to the, to the looting, um, we've been on curfew, you know, uh, 8 PM curfew, 6 PM curfew last night. And so are we out? Are we in? Can we go out? Should we stay in? But now we're in for another reason right? Now the threat is a different threat than the viral threat. And in fact, in all of these demonstrations, I've hardly heard anyone talking about, oh my goodness, these people are not social distancing and what's going to happen in terms of of the virus. I haven't heard that because there's so much larger issues at stake, right? 
Um, but yeah, what's in, what's out, what's safe, what's not safe. Yeah, and this moment is, it's, again, it's actually, even though it feels like, okay, here we are going out, there's an even stronger, almost undertow pull to keep going back in. Mm. And so I'm, I'm finding myself... Um, responding to this brutality and you know the number of instance, incidents that happened during this time of covid that are now fully coming to national awareness um and just needing to actually go in with that and be quiet with that and i you asked me about one of the things that I do to resource and I really resource by reaching out and, and reading and taking in wisdom of just all the amazing wise people and writers and you are one of them <laughs> in our lives and one that resurfaced for me was um, Miriam Greenspan's book Healing Through the Dark Emotions and if it's okay I'd like to just read this paragraph because oh, I think please. it speaks to this moment that we're in so powerfully uh, and just what I see these young people who are the ages of our daughters really leading the charge to, to grapple with and to face and to say enough is enough and we have to do this work, and we have to meet it. And so here's what Miriam Greenspan wrote. Grief, fear, and despair are primary human emotions. Without them, we would be less than human and less likely to survive. Grief arises because we are not alone, and what connects us to others and to the world also breaks our hearts. Grieving our losses allows us to heal and renew our spirits. Fear alerts us to protect our survival, extending beyond our instinct for self-preservation to our concern for others. Despair asks us to find meaning in the midst of apparent chaos or meaninglessness. Making meaning out of suffering is the basis of the human capacity to survive evil and transcend it. Hmm. Beautiful and so true. Yeah, to me, it just speaks to this. I mean, there's just so many things have gotten put on hold. And how can you pause grieving? I think that's the thing in this time of the coronavirus that I just has reached into my heart space so much is just people being unable to be together while grieving yes and it's such a human beautiful human need and impulse to come together to support each other physically through touch through connection um 
in in these unspeakable times of loss and that's what helps the grief process unfold and we just have all these layers again like the image of the ocean and just there's all these layers of grief happening and the grief behind these protests is hundreds if not thousands of years old yeah and that's layering itself on the very fresh current ongoing daily losses in this pandemic around the world for the first time we're in a moment where this planet is experiencing versions of the same thing all at the same time it's truly remarkable yes and and, yeah and in that way we can understand how connected we are whether it's through viruses or whether it's through grief or whether it's through joy or whether it's through love or whether it's through similar you know situations or not similar situations looking to find the connection is yes. is the work is the work that's what we're talking about it's that is the work that's what we're talking about yeah yep and even in these moments of outrage or especially these moments of outrage we have to be able to take in the information we have to be able to breathe in the information so we have to slow ourselves down enough that we can actually ingest and process that so that what we can breathe out are not answers, but questions. And let those questions guide us into appropriate actions for us. Not actions that are being determined because someone else next to us is doing that. That might be right for them, but it might not be right for me. And this moment to just really get connected with what's my motivation for acting about anything? What's my motivation for making this choice, making this decision? There's so many things coming up for everybody that are really un unencountered uh, places of choice and we're being asked to make decisions Um, but when I'm thinking about acting will it actually resolve an issue will it help something move forward will it bring closeness will it help me repair some kind of rift Um, And is my heart really in the right place or am I seeking to control something or someone because I feel so out of control? I feel so lost in in the unknowns. We really have to have those daily and multiple times a day check-ins and grounding 
into the moment in order to reorient. Yeah, yeah. So, Megan, you have brought up so many uh, very important things and uh, reflections and and ways to sit with ourselves in uh, this multifaceted um, uh, arena, <laughs> arena of life yeah. that we're in right now. Yeah. So um, can you please tell people how they can contact you, find you, work with you? How can they find you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, thanks to the miracles of the electronic world, it's all quite, quite easy. So my website is www.somanatico.com. Dot com. Can so you it's spell that? Somanat, yeah. S-O-M, yep, S-O-M-A-N-A-U-T-I-K-O. So Somanat, like astronaut, uh, is an explorer. That's the not part, and the Soma means body. And the I-K-O ending means place to gather essential resources in, in Greek. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so... Somanatico is a, a resourcing place, and that is a wonderful way to reach me through email or by phone. I would love to be in contact with anyone inspired at any time to reach out. And, and where are you actually located? I am located in beautiful western Massachusetts, right on the border with Vermont and New Hampshire along the Connecticut River. Mm -hmm. And it's a very special part of the world and part of New England. Wonderful. Well, Megan, mm -hmm. thank you so much for this conversation. It's been wonderful. Oh, um, thank you, Sharon. Wonderful. So enriching to have time with you and these listeners. Mm. So thank you so much. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about change. If you like our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. It helps our audience to grow. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about the Changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Dare to bring new ideas forward. Our world needs you right now.